welcome back to the Harmonics Podcast. How are you doing? Uh, we are going to give you a very exciting full-on amplitude show today. We've been talking about all sorts of travel stuff. We had our friends from Proletariat uh, on the show last time. Uh, but today we're going to give you guys a full-on update on everything that's going on in the world of amplitude. Recently kickstarted by those of us here at Harmonics Music. Annette, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah? Yeah. Did, did you bring anyone from the Amplitude team to talk about Amplitude? I sure did. You should introduce them. Yay. Uh, so, yeah, we have some really cool guests, some of which have been on the show before. We've got Devron, who's leading all things production on the project. They can't, they they can't, can't see, see that, Devron. They cannot oh, see your peace you sign. Guys. Oh, thanks uh, for you guys. But he's giving everybody a peace sign, so what up? No, in peace? that direction, it's a FU, isn't it? No, it's this way, isn't it? No, that's peace. Yeah, oh. All right. So, yeah. He may be flipping the bird, may not. I would never do that. Only for our UK listeners. Yes. Uh, And then we got Ryan Lesser, who is correcting Devron's gestures. (laughs) Yeah, international games. All geopolitical stuff. They are quite the pair together. I enjoy enjoy them a lot. They're an old married couple that are constantly fighting in all of our meetings, and it is my favorite thing on earth. Just to run but the way that shaking his head the way that people story. love each other fight, not like um, like real fighting, just not like <laughs> and to run. <laughs> oh, really? Are you really doing that right now? <laughs> wow! It's for Ten, reference, yeah, it's they've been working good. together a really long time. They've been on the original amplitude. They have a lot of fun stories to tell. Uh, another person also worked on the project is Pete McGuire. What up, Pete? He was also actually helping us record this. So thank you, Pete, using his audio expertise in more places than beyond the game. So. We are here to talk about some amplitude. Yeah, and it's been a while since we've done anything on the podcast. We've given infrequent catch-ups on the live stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that we may have talked a little bit about progress on the podcast, but we haven't done a full-on amplitude show, I think, since we were funded. Yeah. Or maybe even while we were still in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have done a lot of stuff in a very short amount of time. Yes. Um, you guys have been sending around regular backer updates uh, yes. for people that uh, helped fund the Kickstarter. Um, but do you want to dig into those updates for people that haven't, uh, that haven't been getting those? We could, yeah. I mean, so yeah, we got funded back in May and, you know, since then the team has been working really hard on actually just getting game together, you know, so that's like really exciting to see it all come together. Uh, we, in terms of the last couple updates, put out, uh, pieces of Devron's production plan, um, just sort of like letting people know that yes, we are making this game and yes, it is in progress and it is a real thing and we actually hope to show some more of it in action pretty soon and I think like one of the next updates we have coming up is uh, a controller spec, which I know a lot of folks had questions about, um, which we'll actually put out there you know sooner than later because everyone's wondering what's going on with the squishy triggers on the new mm-hmm. PlayStation controller. So you know the team actually has some ideas, so we can talk about that. In a future update, but for now, I don't know if you guys want to just give, you know, some updates here in terms of like what you all have been working on and how things are going. Uh, sure. Well, we have. So one thing that is actually recent and interesting was Sony was here, which was awesome. Um, we have some folks at Sony that have been working with us for a really long time, and um, they were here talking about all kinds of technology, and we were uh, doing the same. So. It was a really good visit as far as, uh, you know, getting some quality time with me and with uh, Devron and with Eric Malifu, who's uh, the code lead, working with those guys directly to find out what we can do, what we can't do, working on the multiple platforms at the same time, what kind of support they're going to give us for some of the new features. I was able to describe to them some of the stuff I wanted to do for the controller, for example, and, uh, you know... The, the new PlayStation has a lot of hardware uh, to, to utilize, right? If you, if you want, you can use the camera. If you want, you can use all the crazy DualShock 4 stuff, uh, not even including what's in, in the console. So um, it was really actually pretty fun to talk about all that stuff, uh, expose some of our designs to them and have them talk to us about things we need to keep in mind because uh, we haven't played with that, that console before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's cool. Well, I'll post, for example, I'll post the DualShock um, uh, plans within the next week or two. And uh, I'm definitely hoping to do a lot of the stuff we did in the original game with, um, you know, bouncing the controller using the shot, uh, using the DualShock uh, 
sort of bouncing it to the beat to help people in a subliminal way uh, to keep the beat. Mm-hmm. It's something that we were not really ever able to do with like the rock band drums or guitar hero guitar or anything like that. But amplitude actually would pulse to the beat in your hands, which was great. It didn't make a sound, it just vibrated. And, and uh, I thought that was a really cool thing that we did in, in Amplitude. So we're going to do that again on the new DualShock. And then there's a new vibration system in the DualShock uh, that we can uh, address in totally new ways, which I think will be pretty cool because I'd like to, if possible, and if it doesn't get confusing, I'd like to have a crossover with gameplay a little bit. Um, it's got the awesome color bar on it, you know, to play with the lighting and um, I want to do stuff there as well. Uh, so, you know, uh, I will, we'll actually be posting the true spec where people can see the, mm-hmm. the dirty details there. Um, with regards to the trigger, since I'm, I'm on, on this like DualShock, um, I don't know, uh, topic, uh, the triggers are different on both of the, um, both of the controllers. Anyone who has both consoles knows that, uh, especially the R, R2, L2 on both of those controllers, they feel a little different. Um, and none of the, neither of them are like the original DualShock, which had um, non-analog triggers. They had buttons there. And that was actually a really great thing for the original Amplitude because we were able to utilize them as the main input source. Uh, for for capturing gems, it was a very fast, speedy way to play that game. Uh, without those, we have to be a little we have to be a little bit more inventive and play around with some new stuff. So we just started cracking the controllers open um, in code, and we'll be tweaking them to play as quickly as possible. Uh, we've been doing tests. I personally have done tests, and I believe that. Both of them are, are really good to use, um, and we haven't even uh, we haven't even done a ton of adjusting yet. Um, will they be exactly like the old DualShock? No, it's a completely different piece of physical hardware. Will it be uh, fun and usable? And will you be able to do super speed runs? Yes, it just will be different. So anyone who's played both the old game and the new one will, of course, notice the difference. But it's not like um, it's not going to prevent anyone from playing super difficult runs or anything like that it should be should be really great and we'll improve as we tweak the responsiveness even more now that we have the ability to go into the the um the code whereas uh you know when we did the kickstarter we were not behind the scenes yet it was all just like picking them up and air air amplituding (laughs) with them and hoping hoping that it would work out but um but no i think that's going to go pretty well yeah, I think it'd be pretty cool. And, and like Ryan said, we'll share that in an upcoming update. Uh, maybe we can like do some sort of video or something to show mm-hmm. what we have so far. I know like you guys recently showed the game sort of running in its current state. I don't know if you want to talk about what that kind of looks like. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, so, you know, every week we do this thing called wheelie, which I am, I'm guessing that anyone who's been listening to this podcast has probably heard that term uh, used a bunch. But every Friday... We gather the entire company together. We serve lunch, and um, and do project updates. And so uh, this, like, uh, I guess it was almost two weeks ago. Uh, I did an update for Amplitude, and I showed everyone that we actually have the game running in our new engine, Forge Two. Uh, but it's it's funny. It's like some of our old games. We just got it up and running in its most basic form, where which in this case is a two D almost Atari looking uh, version of the game with very retro. Yeah. I mean, the colors chosen were perfect. Like it was all Daniel Spruill. uh, And I don't know if it was intentional, but it definitely looks like it's in the Atari palette and everything's just little squares and lines and flat colors, but it's totally playable. Uh, The one I showed happened to have (laughs) like just like random MIDI. I don't even know what that was. Pete, what was that? Where was that audio? Yeah, it was all uh, general MIDI sounds that were coming from the yeah, so it didn't sound pretty or anything. Um, it was the same day that the actual songs started getting hooked up, but I hadn't had that build uh, uh, set on the machine yet. But it sounded and looked really fun, and people got a kick out of it. So we'll probably we'll probably be showing that as well um, in one of our updates. Yeah, that should be fun. Uh, and then you played a couple samples from songs uh, that are in progress too. Yeah, well, I mean, do you want to you want to cover some of the stuff that we were we were showing? Sure. Uh, the audio team has been focusing on two tracks. 
uh, past couple weeks. Um, so they're basically done. We were just tweaking uh, some of the melodies for playability reasons and just making sure that each melody in each track plays well. And, um, you know, you can actually, it's actually mixed so you can hear the parts that you're playing, which is pretty important. Um, and we've also been experimenting with the palette and uh, one of the tracks actually features orchestral samples. So one of them has a, has a really kind of spooky choir sound. Uh, that opens the track, which is really nice. And uh, we're actually taking that whole choir and each part of the choir, we're spreading over these six tracks. So while you play, uh, in order to get that full choir sound, you actually have to be, you have, have to lock in all six tracks, which is kind of neat. And then the other track is more electronic based. And um, that one's pretty interesting because it's a little darker and, and dirtier. And, um, you know, some of these big bass sounds were kind of like, figuring out if people can actually hear the transients and making sure that each attack, you know, the synthesizer is recognizable as a, as a hit. So when we place the gems, that they actually coincide with each hit. It's actually pretty hard to do with a kind of wall of sound. Um, so we're kind of tweaking our, our synthesizers and making sure that they, uh, they have a nice attack on them. So it's very recognizable what you're playing. I think that was my favorite part of, uh, of the whole Wheelie presentation hearing the song and then also looking at Iran, our co-founder, uh, sitting there, like you said, Ryan, kind of miming the controls with his hands. Uh -huh. So he's already kind of like in that headspace. He's like, oh, okay, well, I hear how this song's playing. Like, here's how I think it'll play in the game. Yes. Uh, so it's, it's cool to see that kind of excitement from, from people internally. It's funny just like writing some of the melodies too. I, I just kind of mime those three buttons out. Oh, like, really? How, does this, how is this actually going to play? That's awesome. Um, it's one of the cool parts about making our own music here yeah. and working without the outside musicians to make music for the mm -hmm. game. We can craft these to be really fun, you know, so it yeah. doesn't have to be a mystery or we don't have to take um, musical tracks that actually maybe they sound good, but they don't play that well. This, this, mm -hmm. this whole game, I think, will actually have a much tighter feel than the original Amplitude because of that. Yeah, there's something working within restrictions too that, it's like a neat challenge and like um, actually helps you build a better track when you have, you know, different restrictions that you know yeah, yeah. you only have three buttons, so how is this going to work? <laughs> yeah, and like Pete actually wrote out a specific set of rules for like just a team here and external artists as well to sort of abide by. I don't know if you want to like run down some of that just because I think that stuff's pretty interesting. Yeah, so we've kind of written up uh, Amplitude Song Basics doc, which is uh, mainly for external artists. Um, and just kind of like outlines how to actually make an amplitude song. Um, so things like, you know, we talk about tempo, meter, song length, um, making sure you have a song intro, which just like we did in the, the original amplitude, we're going to need that for, for this version too. Um, and also like what kinds of things are supported in tempo and meter. So like, uh, the tempo we're hoping to get songs in, um, around 95 to 200 BPM, which is basically the range we worked in uh, for the last amplitude, but uh, so we want to keep that the same. Um, we're also looking at maybe we can do variable tempos, so like accelerandos and retardandos, and so, you know, making sure that we support these speed-ups and, and slowdowns, um, and seeing how that will actually affect the world and, and uh, the track, the way things scroll. So we're in the middle of kind of looking at that right now, but it does look like we can support variable tempos, which is pretty exciting, which is something we didn't do in the last Amplitude. And um, meter, you know, all songs were in 4-4 last, last uh, version. So now we're looking at maybe we can do songs in 3-4 or even 5-4 or 7-4, uh, which will give them a really unique feel. Um, and so, like, what does that mean in terms of phrasing and uh, uh, and in the actual engine part of the game. Um, you know, song length, we're hoping to keep songs between three to four minutes. Um, they shouldn't really exceed four minutes, so your fingers don't fall off and your eyes don't melt out of your face. Um, and uh, and then in terms of like song tracks, like how how do we want these stemmed? So uh, to give you an idea, we're, we're still sticking with the six tracks. Um, you know, those usually consist of, or the tracks consist of one main drum track. We have uh, a second drum track, and that's usually like percussive track or 
could be another drum beat for your song, um, but it has to work well with your main drum beat, obviously. Uh, then we have bass track, and that's going to continue the main bass line or anything else that you could consider the bass line. Then we would have the fourth track would be like a lead track, and that contains the main hook or melody of your song. Uh, could be a guitar or synth or some other instrument. And then the fifth track is usually a vocals track, and that can be uh, through composed, so you know, verse, chorus, bridge, that kind of thing. Or uh, it could be comprised of like repeated vocal phrases or, or samples. Um, if your song doesn't have any vocals, then you could actually use it as another instrument track. Uh, and then finally, the sixth track is a is kind of like a the other track, and that contains instruments that might not fit in the other categories. So, or it could contain like additional synth or guitar or other instrument parts. Yeah, and so that's kind of what we sent out. Uh, it was also a good exercise for us internally to kind of <laughs> remember how to actually do all this and how to stem things out correctly. Uh, and so we're really excited to be working with some outside artists. We've got a good lineup, and uh, I think they're going to produce some great stuff for us. Did you guys do, while I was away, you were thinking about maybe doing field recording? Did you guys get to yeah. do that? Actually, uh, Jeff Allen and I went out to, we have a practice space out in Charleston, and um, we recorded a bunch of stuff. We did a bunch of drum loops at certain BPMs, and then um, then we did more sound designy stuff. So we actually, there's like this huge hallway that has this awesome reverb on it. And so we ended up, uh, uh, we had a fan, we found like uh, some long strips of metal that we brought out there and we're banging on that and getting some cool tones. Um, and then we ended up going down into uh, the staircase and there's this big long uh, uh, rail that, that's made out of metal. And if you pound on it, it gives out these like crazy low tone, so we ended up recording a bunch of those too. Probably too many of those. Uh, <laughs> and um, so it was pretty successful, I think. But we're going to keep doing that. Um, uh, you know, each week we're going to scheduled out some more like Foley and sound design recording. Um, just and then we'll use those sounds into in our soundtrack. So. Yeah, uh, so we've been talking for, you know, months now about what the music is going to sound like and what the sound design is going to be like and we are hoping to bring some sounds to the game that maybe, you know, new, new, especially for the Amplitude universe, but uh, not be super, super digital, bring some analog real world sounds into the songs and, um, and into the sound effects. And I am hoping that we can get a little bit more sound design than in this game than we did last time. We were very, in the early days, we were very sensitive to non-musical audio. Um, you know, we would have giant fights for a long, long time about like, can we make the error? Can we give an error sound, or can we make it make it so you can hear the things you're moving past, or whatever? And we always uh, erred towards less is better. Yeah. Um, but we do want to open up some of that experimentation again for this game to do a little bit more to place you in the world if possible. I'm really hoping to make you make the player feel like they're really there more than maybe they did in the original amplitude. I still want to keep it pretty arcadey, but at this point in time, you know, I, I feel like people's senses are pretty tuned in to what video games can do. And I'd like to be able to support some of the cyber physical space that's around you into this like cyber organic thing that we're working on. So that we, we still have to, a bunch of experimentation to do there because uh, mm. it's early days, but we're getting there. A lot of the, you know, we're starting to get music into the actual game and, and we'll be able to take it from there. Cool. Pete, when am I recording my uh, vocals? Uh, next, next week. Pete said I could sing on one of the songs. Just do it right now. I just pull it right. Yeah. No, <laughs> now it's your audition. I haven't written anything yet. So. Here, no, I brought something here. Oh, did you? Yeah. We're going to write your song. We're going to freestyle your song right just, now. I'm just waiting for my moment, guys. Right. This is your moment. I think this is Yeah. It's a duet. Did he tell you that? Oh, it's a duet. It's a love song duet. Oh, me and you, Ryan? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that makes it all the better. We're going to do a music video, too. Okay. I'm going to be a, a blind... I'm going to be a blind sculptor. And I'm sculpting a <laughs> face. Yeah. And you're going to come in, and I'm going to touch your face. Really? <laughs> and you guys can use the live stream setup if you want. Yeah. Oh, okay. Green screen and I'm going to fall in love. 
Just with, from my face? With my yeah, using my fingers to <laughs> sense what you look like. All right. I'm down with this. Cool. It's based on reality. Yes, this is what our meetings are like every morning. <laughs> That's actually a Lionel Richie video for anyone who doesn't know. What? I knew that. Sticker. I did. Not a Ryan Lesser original? No. Mm -mm. Unfortunate. Ah shit, I should have pulled it off as if it was my own. <laughs> uh, so Devron, you've been sending around these updates, kind of like keying people into how far along we are. Uh, in the process, you kind of like split, split it out into those the three phases of production. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've got one checked off. We do? So we're basically done, right? Yeah, it's all done. Ship it. <laughs> Everybody can go to bed now. No, I mean, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't recall offhand what was in each one of those uh, updates, just the wording, the, the wording that we use. But um, where we're at as of today, kind of as Ryan was talking about, is we've basically got um, the whole game, like think of like the framework of the game uh, propped up in engine now. And from this point, now it's basically like about uh, putting the content on top of that framework. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the reason we did it this way is because we've had, you know, we have the old Amplitude game code, which which runs. So it was first about getting that running so that we had the, the same feel of the original Amplitude. Um, but obviously, we didn't want to retain any of that visual content from 10 years ago. Yeah. And since we knew what the features were that we were supporting and we knew how they all interacted with each other, that, you know, it, it made sense to prop all that up in engine. Um, so think of it as like, you know, you're building a house, you, you put up your framing and now we're going to put, you know, start uh, putting the new content on top of that. So like new visuals, new effects, sure. you know, like Pete, Pete and his guys are working on audio. Um, and that's kind of where we're moving towards now. Sweet. So things are moving right along. Things are moving mm -hmm. right along. So, and this is kind of um, like a new approach for, for us as a studio to be this open about our development process. Uh, like we're kind of like we're putting a ton of stuff out there. Like we've talked about sharing our specs and, we, um, you know, even during uh, the Kickstarter campaign, like we showed a ton of concept art uh, and kind of like what the, uh, the visual ID target was um, like for for your role as kind of like the the, the architect for this house. Uh, like how comfortable are you like with that more open process, kind of like showing people what's going on behind the curtain and letting them know like where we're at at this point in time? Uh, I mean, it's it's different, but it's if for me, you know, it's it's not too too different than what I'm used to. It's just who's the audience. Yeah. You know, typically, um, I'm sharing that information with the team and uh, you know the senior group uh, or the management group. So it's it's more so just like oh okay, like now that we're sharing it with the public who not are you know who are not all game developers, just trying to. Uh, craft it in a way. That's why I said, I was like, oh, I don't remember exactly yeah, yeah. how I said certain things because, you know, we want to put it in a way that people will understand um, rather than just kind of like shorthand how we would normally talk about that stuff. So I think it's fine. I, it's kind of cool. It actually makes us think a little bit more about what we're doing, um, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the now because we're talking about it. It's like, oh, we're putting together this update specifically about like what we're doing and what we're doing next. And it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing next? You know? And it's like, so it's just, a, it's, it's interesting because it just kind of makes you think about it a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Ryan, you feel the same way? Um, he's just going to disagree with me on principle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, I, m mostly I feel the same. Uh, I have, it is, interesting to show people concept art or early audio, let people hear early audio um, when you know as a developer things do change you know um, and Kickstarter is a really f interesting unique environment because you are promising sort of promising something to people and people <laughs> are paying for that but they also know that they are that that promise is one of someone who has not begun to make their thing yet, or maybe they did begin, but they're not done. And everyone knows that they're going in as an, as sort of like as an investor in a way with that mentality where I'm probably going to get most of what I was told I'm going to get. Right. But sometimes people forget that on Kickstarter and they, they want you to hold to the letter of, of what you had mentioned early on, mm -hmm. not everyone and not often, but sometimes. And that isn't really the way game development works. That's not really the way invention of almost anything really works. So 
Um, so you have to you have to just kind of remember uh, as the developer that you want to show people a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. but you also want to remind them that this is concept art or these are audio sketches. It's going to be a lot like this, mm -hmm. but it may be different. You're going to get an awesome game. It's going to have beat blasters. It's going to have songs, it's going to have all that stuff. But you're along, you are now along for the ride. You're watching development happen. You're going to hit the same bumps we hit. You're going to see when we change something, instead of never knowing that it even happened uh, until a post-mort maybe, you're going to watch it happen, right? So if in a few months we realize, hey, you know that Beat Blaster design that we drew that everyone really loved? Uh, it doesn't do this thing that we now decided Beat Blasters need to do. Like it doesn't have enough surface area to flash on the beat or whatever. Yeah. And things that you don't know until you make the game. Yeah. People will watch us change that. And it's just an interesting dynamic that, you know, doing my personal Kickstarters and doing this one now, like I'm, I'm starting to get the feel for it and get used to it. It's, it's a little weird, like, cause when you're in the building, everyone knows that that's going to happen. But when you're talking to people who have never made a game mm -hmm. um, or may, maybe never made anything, you know, I don't know. There's a million different kinds of people out there. It's, you just have to kind of keep that thread alive, yeah. I think. Um, and I think that we've been doing a good job of that, like letting people see what's going on, but also letting them know that things change, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but but actually, it's been going really great uh, so far. Our backers have been amazing. Um, we just put out a survey uh, and our response, uh, just asking what platform they're planning on playing the game. Mm -hmm. um, the response was ridiculously good. Um, yeah. And we'll be talking about that in some updates soon, but... Uh, you know, usually you get single digit percentage responses mm -hmm. on surveys when you send stuff out. And I mean, you know, Aaron and, and Annette, you guys know this. We got like 75% return or something. It was insane. Yeah. We, yeah, we, as of today, yeah. in it's just like in a couple weeks. Right. In, and most of those people came in in even just about a week. Yep. We, had ten, we have just a few people shy of 10,000 responses out of 14,000 something backers. And that is just a, a ridiculously good response. So yeah. that shows that our backers are awesome and that they're really engaged and they're really interested and they want to take, take part in the, in the production of this game. Um, we'll tell people like why we were asking those questions. It's, it will be pretty up, upfront about it. Um, it's not like one's going to, uh, be amazing and the other one's going to stink, right? They're both going to be awesome games, but it does change the way we think about things if mm -hmm. it swings wildly in one direction or another. So anyway, I hope that we continue to have that kind of participation. We're hoping to yes. ask people more things in the future, have them help steer the game, show them art and let them listen to audio and see what they think. And, you know, so it's great to know that we may have 10,000 people helping us, you know, or, or more, you yeah, know, if more come cool. on board. Yeah, because so. we read all the comments and, you know, I actually have like a page for the team to look at of like, you know, sometimes we'll get suggestions from people like, hey, I've been thinking about this thing. Or maybe you can approach a certain feature this way when, you know, as you keep thinking about it and all like really, you know, thoughtful, very cool responses. And I just post that stuff up for, for everyone to look at just to see that like, one, we're paying attention. And two, like you guys have actually really good ideas. So, you know. Love to keep hearing everything in the comments and send messages as well if you have questions about stuff. Um, and yeah, you know, whenever we send stuff as quickly as you can respond, it's like super helpful for us to keep planning stuff. Like any fulfillment things that I've been sending out for, you know, like an upcoming panel, for instance, uh, you know, everyone almost responded like within a few days. Like that's and that's incredibly helpful for us because then it gives us more time to plan and do things. Um, so, yeah, thanks for being super responsive and for checking your messages and Keep checking your messages because we're going to keep sending really cool stuff for the foreseeable future. So, yeah. And I think the, the open development kind of helps with that, <clears throat> like helps with the investment uh, mm -hmm. that, that people in the community have. Um, because like the more that we're able to share, like the more we're able to educate the community. Yeah. And we're fortunate that we already have a, a community that is, I think, much more keyed into how our games work than most developers uh, are able to get from their communities. Like people know from Rock Band Network exactly what it takes uh, to make a Rock Band mm -hmm. track. Um, and because we've been more open and, um, uh, and talking to fans about Dance Central it shows, like they know how Dance Central works and they know like what our choreography is and they know what to look for. Um, so I think our fans are already kind of like more informed than the average fan, which mm -hmm. is rad. Uh, but the more we're able to kind of like give them, uh, give them a peek at like 
what our production plan is or like what our specs are. Um, like the, the more that helps them uh, like stay bought into the work that we're doing and, uh, and to like stay bought into us as a studio. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then, it's weird to it's weird to jump like using amplitude as a sort of moment as two moments in time like bookends in a way like it lets you it lets me frame time in a really interesting way that it's like amplitude one was at a period where nothing like this existed nothing like this yeah. open development no I mean, there was no podcasts. There wasn't there, even YouTube, was there? There was, was no it? YouTube. Was the internet sucked at the time. There was, I mean, we were one of the first developers to use the PlayStation internet oh, connectivity. Yeah. Like the brick that you stuck on the back. Yeah, and it was super wild west. Like, it, you know, it, there was nothing really fully formed. The, the web was really a naive, young version of itself. And so... To suddenly jump in 10 years later and there's like blogs and podcasts and video blogs and like it's everything's so open even if you weren't doing a Kickstarter like that we do these podcasts and blog updates all the time. It's just so different from being on your own little island especially back then and even now being in Boston we're already practically in our own little siloed development space right. We're not in a we're not in a region of the world where there's just a billion game developers all over the place. Yeah. Like, so we always, now. yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and we've always felt a little bit, you know, removed from everybody else. So things like this are really interesting. I think like being able to just talk to people, um, mm -hmm. or talk with people on the, on the forums or on the, uh, Kickstarter, uh, board, like, it's just really crazy. And, and it, I, I know we've been inching our way up the whole time. Like you said, with rockband.com and, uh, going to all the shows and all that stuff. But if you just use the two amplitudes as like slices of time, they're really stark contrasts to yeah, each other. Sure. Yeah, that's a staggering difference like that, that 10 years will make. Yeah, especially um, this 10 years. You know, it was a really big 10 years for games, for the internet, for yeah. social media. Like most of that stuff was invented <laughs> like in yeah. those 10 years. Or even like amplitude as uh, as kind of a microcosm, like there weren't any other music games that you could really draw on to say like, oh, Amplitude's like this game, or it plays kind of like this. Uh, but now you can talk about like lane changing and you can talk about beat match gameplay and people have, you know, 50 different games that they can use as a frame of reference. Yeah, um, I'm so. definitely hoping that when the game comes out and is available for public consumption that unlike the original Amplitude, people will look at screenshots or videos on the web, which is another thing we just didn't have back then. You know, you used to have to look at the back of a box. And I think I might have talked about this the last yeah. time I was on, on the podcast. You know, people would have to look at a little screenshot that was like two inches by three inches on in a magazine or, or on a, the back of the box in your local game store and just try and suss it out like by what you got from that. And before we made Guitar Hero... And then, you know, introduced everyone through Rock Band. Like, people had no idea what that kind of game was. Yeah. They were looking at this thing and they were just like, it was like, it almost looked like a math problem or something. You know, it's like a bunch <laughs> of lines and some dots on the lines and 3D space. And, and now I'm hoping that people will just immediately know, I get it. This is a, a music game or this is a harmonics music yep. game or whatever the case may be. And that barrier will go away and they'll know that this is just, it's just like a really fun experience and that this is a, a, a like a different flavor of that thing that they already kind of understand. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yes. Do you remember the uh, Frequency commercial, television commercial? Yeah. I do think I'm the that? only person that loves that commercial. <laughs> <laughs> you do? That's great. Yeah. So that was, that was, we didn't hire, the, sorry, back then, you know, we didn't do any of that hiring. I'm pretty sure we didn't hire... No. That company, but it was Shinola. It was like a new, a brand new company called Shinola, and um, they did that commercial. You're talking about the worm the commercial, worm one, yeah? Because there were two. There was the worm, and then there was like the Cubert one. Oh um, yeah, I think the Cubert one was like the weird, like abstract. The worm factory. one was weird to you. Well, the worm one at least had thing. They had a lawnmower and worms. You could yeah. look at it and know what it was. Yeah. Whereas the other one. <laughs> had like what? just weird assembly line robots like putting stuff together and then at uh, the end oh and so actually they both had shared the same ending which was that 
it would just show a screen of someone playing frequency for like four seconds or less, maybe one second. And it would say frequency. And that was it. And the, but the, the one Devron's talking about is the worm one mm -hmm. where you just saw it was to BT or I don't know what, what song it was, but like a track would go and a little worm would pop out of a hole. And it was like super, it was like pre. Have you not seen this in it? You haven't really? seen this? No. It was like, it it's was pre-South Park, but YouTube. it was flat. It was, <laughs> I think I uploaded it to your channel. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pull it up right now. But these little worms would pop up to the tracks as the tracks were unlocking, kind of as if you were playing the game. Huh. And um, and then again, and, oh, and so and Lawnmower was coming closer and clo closer. And until finally it just mows all the little worms apart and like, worm gore goes flying all over the place yeah. and then like i said a one second 30 frames of frequency gameplay and then frequency wow and that was it because no one knew i don't think anyone knew what the hell to do with this game because it was so weird looking in like so many different ways but the thing is that was shinola who then went on to do like amazing shit like they which i and i think those commercials are really good but they they turned into a very big motion graphics huh. Or I don't know how big they are, but very popular. They've done a lot of really good music videos, um, and like everyone has seen their work at this was point. Was it gorilla stuff that they did? Is that they did like Queens of the Stone Age, and they did a lot of really cool commercials. Like I, you know, people should go check them out because they've done some really cool stuff. Um, passion pictures for the gorillas. Yeah, passion pictures is gorillas who who uh, you know we the worked with for a lot of harmonic stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and rock band they did the rock band one rock Funk band Star two Deluxe was the frequency song. Funk Star Deluxe, Deluxe. Yes, yeah, for the commercial. Sorry. <laughs> no, um, this is all very important. It is. We need to let. I actually know. bought Frequency without any prior knowledge to any of it. I saw it at the store and I was like, yeah, okay. Really? Yeah. The box made you do yeah, that? Yeah, it was shiny. Well, you were one, yeah. you were the one person. It was person. reflective. You were I was the like, the test group. wait, it was reflective. It was yep. foil. Yep. Which was like, that That was not. Weirdly enough, that actually worked on me. I'm one of those test people. We're watching the commercial right now. Wow. Oh, I love that old PS2. Like, wow. Yeah, that was it. It's my favorite brings back memories. Millions so of dollars. Amazingly. <laughs> <laughs> so amazingly, we didn't sell Gee, a lot I wonder of why no one understood what the game was. Uh, that's, I mean, I guess that's the fun challenge of all of the games we ever make, I guess, is how do we market this weird yeah. thing? Yeah, we're really good at making games that, that don't are very experiential. Sense. Like, if yeah. you watch someone, even if you watch someone play Guitar Hero or Rock Band or Dance Central, or especially Fantasia recently, like, if you just watch someone play, you don't immediately understand what's happening on the screen. And then as soon as someone, like, gets their hand on the guitar, or as soon as they step in front of the Kinect, like, within 30 seconds they're like oh okay i totally get it now. which everyone said about amplitude and frequency even yep. in the day in in back in the day like reviewers would give it 90 plus review scores out of 100 and they were just like i can't explain it but you have to play it you yeah. will not get it until mm -hmm. you actually play it and so that it was stuff like that that actually gave us the you know kind of gave us hope that this game would successfully kickstart and people would want it again was remembering how fond of, of the game people were once they did play it. It's mm -hmm. just, we had no way to get people to play it back then. Mm -hmm. Now we have presence at conventions. So, you know, people come to us to like check out what we're doing, which is awesome. We have all of our blogs, we have our websites, we have stuff like the podcast. So there's like, again, it's like not to like beat a dead horse here, but like, this is a really big deal for us, and and to be able to talk to people about the game and share it uh, with a bunch of people who understand what that game might even be is just a totally different world. So we're hoping for the best. I think sharing all that stuff early is awesome because you know from an artist standpoint, you can show them like the progression of a song, or you know show them like what didn't work so well, and then they see the update, and then they're like, oh, they, you know, every change that we make is making a better game. Yeah, right, mm -hmm. and they get to see that. So. I think 
I think it's also nice for people to get a little look into like oh, oh, Siri. Siri, why Siri. didn't I just press that button? <laughs> <laughs> um, for people to actually get, you know, a lot of times you hear people be like, oh, well, why does it take that long? Or can't they just do this many of that or blah, blah, you know, this, that. And it's like, it's kind of nice for people to get a little bit of uh, behind the scenes look at like what actually goes into some of these yeah, things. It's like, oh, yeah, writing a song, it shouldn't take too long, except when you're also thinking about. The fact that it's not just a song you listen to, it's a song that you interact with. So when you're, you know, so when Pete and Jeff and his guys are, you know, writing these songs, they're also thinking about, well, how will this be to actually play? Mm -hmm. Like, it might be great to listen to, but like that long pad, like, you know, of that single chord just playing out, like, might not be that fun to play, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're actually putting it in a game context. So I think it's good in that regard, too, to just kind of see that or like when you know uh ryan was talking about the ship like oh yeah this concept looks awesome why can't you just make more of those they're like well like this thing doesn't actually work because you know it interferes with this when you actually try to play it in game and so on and so forth so i think in that regard people just getting a a sense of like what actually goes into this stuff you know there's always like that joke around here of like making it's actually not really a joke but i remember back on uh the anti-grav days walking through the hall and Matt Gilpin was like sitting. You remember the little when he had his little desk out in the hallway, like that little hall pit, the little design pit uh-huh. thing, and uh, he was just sitting there and he was like holding his head and like putting his hands through his hair, like he does when he's like thinking. And he just goes, "Making games is hard," <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, "Yes, that is true," <laughs> you know. So it's good for people to kind of see what actually what the hard work that goes into these things are. I'm actually really excited for like once the game actually comes out to just know that there will be people out in the world that aren't us that can speak about the game with as much authority, I think, as we can at that point. And hopefully we'll spread the good word to all the other people. Yeah. Just to be like, yeah, you know, when they were working on this song, this happened. And, like, you know, this blaster was going to look like this, but now it looks like this. Because there are people out there who like to do that stuff. And so it's actually going to be, like, really cool to just hear other people talk about it the way we do and actually, like, be right because they have all the information that we've been providing over the last few months. Yeah, most should definitely. be different and cool. So if anyone ever attacks us, like, why did you do that? And then people can come to our defense because <laughs> they know why. Well, that also helps, uh, like, along the lines of, like, people coming to our defense. Like, it helps personalize the process a little bit more because all of a sudden it's not like, oh, I hate harmonics. Why is this game taking so long? It's like, oh, well, Devron said this is why. Devron's not a bad guy, so I guess I don't hate harmonics anymore. <laughs> Or being able to identify with specific artists, like, oh, that's a Pete track, I love Pete. Like, we saw a ton of that with Dance Central, where it's like, they would recognize specific choreographers, and like, oh, that move is definitely by Frenchie. Like, I love Frenchie's choreo, I'm going to buy all of her tracks. Like, mm-hmm. um, and, and even with, like, Rock Band and Guitar Hero stuff, that, like, people still write in and ask for Megasis songs. Like, Come on, they happens. do not. It happens every once in a while. You know who those people are? It might Ryan. just be Ryan. Ryan <laughs> writing in. I didn't know that was possible. Please will put be in me. more Megasys songs. Yeah, expect we more of those Actually, in the, in the newsletter that just went out uh, last Friday, we sent out a rock band survey, uh, just kind of like checking in with the community. Um, and there was uh, there was one dude on uh, on Facebook who was like, would you just quit talking about rock band stuff all the time? I just want to hear about Amplitude. You should oh, really? make that game. <laughs> I was like, have I got good news for you? <laughs> this whole Kickstarter that you didn't even hear about. Yeah. That's that's actually, I mean, slightly off topic, but like the, about people not hearing about Kickstarter, it's still a huge surprise to me when people don't know about Kickstarter yeah. even or our Kickstarter or like, you know, because I, I was just traveling a little bit recently and uh, went out of my New England, you know, uh, Oceanside city bubble. Uh-oh and went to places that are not those things and no one knows what spotify is and no one knows what kickstarter is and people don't know about amazon prime and how to use itunes it's like Mm -hmm. it it kind of it is really actually awesome to get out of your space sometimes and realize that not everyone works in the tech industry yeah (laughs) yeah like i mean i kind of you know before I did Kickstarters, I thought everyone knew about Kickstarter. Like, I just thought it was a thing that people knew, like Google or eBay or whatever. But it's actually really the opposite, you yeah. know? Um, I think I only even really knew about Kickstarter when you did your Kickstarter. Like, I think that's what keyed me into it. 
Yeah. Because there's no like advertisement really for Kickstarter unless you're already a fan of the person that's kind of using the Kickstarter. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's like no real avenue for that. Mm. So Yeah, it's it's really eye-opening and it's definitely something I would recommend for anyone doing a Kickstarter or really anything like this, anything in the digital realm, you're always going to be this is like, I'm sure this is marketing 101, but like, since I'm not a marketing specialist, you really are only ever addressing some small portion of the market. And Kickstarter is actually a very small sliver. I mean, I was really thankful to have the backers that we did. Mm -hmm. And I've been part of bigger, bigger Kickstarters where like I've kickstarted other companies stuff and they had more backers than us. But still, when you look at the numbers, it's quite small compared to what it could be or maybe what it will be in the future. You know, we better sell more than 14,000 copies of this game. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yep. yep. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a that's a good indication, and I think that that um, that came up a lot when like uh, when the Ouya hit Kickstarter, where yep. people were like, "Oh my God, they made like X million dollars in like only thirty days! It's a huge console success." And it's like, like the dollar amount raised is one thing, but then you look at like there's only like twenty thousand backers or whatever the final number was, and if Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo launched a new console and they only moved twenty thousand units, you'd say. That's a disaster. Like yeah. regardless of the, the dollar amount attached to it. Yeah. Um, There's like personal success. It's like at a personal success yeah. scale, or like or startup company success scale. You yeah, know, it's definitely. it's not it's not what we're used to. You know, the, we we play a kind of a different game usually these days. You know, as we're doing this thing in in house where we're separating into smaller mm. sort of mini companies in a way, and we're all kind of making our own things. It feels. It feels different and it feels like that's the scale you want to be on. But, you know, coming off of games like Rock Band or, or Dance Central where you're selling millions and millions of copies, it's like, it's pretty different. Yeah. Um, but we'll see how and it goes. Once we hit PSN, that's when we'll start to see the million plus sales. I'm actually, I, I like, I'm optimistic. You know, when we can start doing all the things that we know how to do that are not just the small Kickstarter community that is like, Get it using the using the web, using videos, using using yep. our community uh, um, sort of strengths and all that stuff. I am actually pretty hopeful that the word will spread. I, yeah. I think that Amplitude did well, but could have done a lot better if people just knew about it more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. I do think that our sales will be. I will say our our sales will be good um, when the game's done and people see it yeah. on. Uh, you know, YouTube channels, uh, people playing, doing playthroughs, mm-hmm. and doing things the way people just do now, um, yeah. which we didn't get from Kickstarter because nothing's made yet when yep. you do a Kickstarter. I mean, I, again, I think like the the big delta too from ten years ago, right, is the fact that you had this game that was really fun. If you got someone to play it, that you know, unlike Annette, who just was like, you know, saw the packaging, was like, that looks cool. Let me go grab. Ooh, that. shiny! Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah, like Ryan's saying, there's like, there's all this new uh, access to people that didn't exist before to kind of like, hey, give this thing a shot because it is really fun and it's very arcadey and it's very addicting. Mm-hmm. And especially if you have a competitive nature, you know, it's, it totally kind of like, you know, scratches that itch. I almost said it backwards, but I said it correctly. It's not scratch. Yeah, I almost said it backwards and I heard myself <laughs> in my head saying scratch. it wrong. But, uh, but no, and I think that's like an exciting thing. So it's like, you know, when you look at, like you guys are saying, the, the, the number of backers, it's like, okay, if that's a small number of people that are excited mm-hmm. about it, like, I think it's going to do really well, especially when people start talking about it and they actually get the opportunity to play it. Because this is like, you know, we're two, plat- we're, we're two consoles after, mm-hmm. you know, the original one came out. So it is a pretty long time. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, and now that we have like the whole online marketplace too, which is like this is kind of like the perfect size game for that sort of space where, you know, people are playing online anyway. People get super competitive with each other on the leaderboards and like it sort of fits really well there. Whereas, like, as a, I don't know how this would fare as like a, you know, retail box game at a GameStop, but like in yeah, terms yeah, of. Yeah, it's a totally different Yeah, place. and so, you know, like it gives us a pretty solid chance. Like, this is the kind of game people browsing the online stores play. So I think. We'd have a pretty good shot. I'm also very optimistic. I'm gonna keep being optimistic. People should love this play, and play it. I think it's a good time for this game. Yep. Like people, you know, I have mixed feelings about the free to play and the one dollar games and the iPhone, Android, handheld like play record for, 
Play it, yeah, record run. You know, the games that you play for three minutes on the subway or whatever. Like, I I loved some things about that and I kind of hate some things about that compared to like the kind of classic buy a cartridge or DVD or disc or whatever it is that you're playing and just take it home and love it for like, you know, an extended period of time. Amplitude, I think, is a really cool blend of the two. Because it's always yeah, been very arcadey, sure. I think it will appeal to this giant group of people that are that are now used to not only music games, but also like bite-sized gameplay. Um, like the thing I always loved about Amplitude and Frequency, um, or one of the things, is that you know what you're getting yourself into. You sit down and at the very least you're playing for four minutes, mm-hmm. right? You're going to start a song, you're going to do your best. And if you complete it, four minutes of fun right there. You know, if you want, you can shut it off and you've actually like, it's very much like modern games. You've done a thing in not a lot of time. If you want to do the kind of guitar hero rock band thing where you're going to sit down and you're going to work on a song, a difficult song for like an hour until you master it, or you're going to try and get higher and higher points, or you're going to try and go against your friends, whatever, you're going to spend some real time. Amplitude has that depth too, both in how much, how challenging it is, how many songs are going to be in it, um, you know, what the game's going to look like. It has that level of polish. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking that it's going to be right in the sweet spot for a lot of people. Cool. You heard it here. Ryan Lesser's Amplitude Game of the Year 2015. <laughs> It'll be mine. Done. I'll play it forever. Sweet. Uh, and no pressure on the community, but we are going to count on you guys to help spread the word. Uh, everyone really rallied to help support the Kickstarter when it was live. Uh, and we're going to trust that all of you awesome early adopters, like the 14,000 people I backed, are going to continue to spread the word uh, and talk about how awesome Amplitude is so you have plenty of other people to beat on the leaderboards. Um, if, uh, if you stay tuned, we'll have more updates, more backer updates through the Kickstarter, and then we'll keep you plugged in uh, here on the podcast and then also on the live stream as well. We'll have a live stream soon. Yeah. Are we going to do that next Monday? Maybe. Maybe. Soon. Soon. Let's just say soon for now. We'll see. We'll see. In the near future. In the near future. Uh, And you can join us on the next podcast. I think we're going to have a San Diego Comic-Con wrap-up when we get back from that show. Uh, So keep posted, and we will talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.